Today's scripture reading comes from Ephesians 3, 14 through 21. When I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to fully understand. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes with God. Now all glory to God, who is able, through his mighty power at work within us, to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus, through all generations, forever and ever. Amen. The word of the Lord. morning. I, my name is Katie, and I have the pleasure of introducing our chapel speaker this morning, James Kinsler. He is my pastor, and he's also my dad, so there's a lot I could say about him. He's a Point Loma grad, class of 1992. Um, from Loma, he went to Nazarene Theological Seminary before coming, becoming the pastor at Coast Community Church of the Nazarene in Santa Barbara, where he's been serving for almost 25 years. Over this time, he's not only been the pastor of our church, he's also been a friend, a mentor, a coach, a leader in our community. He's also been a great dad to my brother and me. We've heard him give lots of sermons, and we've also been doing lots of jobs at church, kind of like reading scripture and introducing people. Um, He's been an important part of my life, and I'm excited to hear from him. Please help me welcome my dad, James Kinsler. Thanks, Well, good morning, everybody. It's great to see you, and it is so great to be with you. I'm so grateful to be in this place uh, and to have this, op- this opportunity to share with you. I'm grateful to be on this campus and in this community that has meant so much to my life and continues to mean so much to my family. And uh, so it's homecoming week, and I just thought we'd throw it back a little bit to, uh, to the car that I drove when I arrived on this campus many, many years ago, back when freshmen could have cars, and I rolled this thing down. It is a 1971 Datsun 510, and I put that paint job on it, those nice rims that you can sort of see. And uh, one of my uh, friends throughout college, he affectionately and appropriately nicknamed it the Red Hot Chili Pepper, so that's what I think I will refer to it as today. But it ran okay. Uh, It didn't run great. It got me over the grapevine coming to and from my house in Northern California each year. Uh, It did have some trouble getting up this hill right out here, coming onto campus if I had more than three people in the car. I could not slow down at the guard shack. I had to just kind of keep it going keep the momentum rolling or I would be in trouble. Um, But the biggest problem was is that the the gas gauge did not work. And uh, this was a problem because I was a college student who put, you know, $5 in at a time. I know that wouldn't get you even a gallon now, but uh, it got us a little bit of gas then. And so I was perpetually between a quarter of a tank and empty. 
And the gas gauge works, did not work. So if you were in that range, you were, you were taking chances that you could run out of gas at any time. And uh, I actually became somewhat infamous among my friends for running out of gas. I won't tell you all the times, but one in particular, I'm driving up from Young Hall, uh, and just at that steep incline is right out in front of the gym parking lot. And uh, the, the 510 started to sputter. The, the red hot chili pepper was given out. And uh, I, I watched the, the gauge just go from a quarter tank just to buried on empty. And I was like, oh no, I'm in trouble. And not only was it sputtering, it just stopped right on the hill. And so I remember rolling my window down and waving people past me. And then I kind of just, you know, sheepishly put it in a neutral coasted it backwards down into the city lot and parked it there until I could get some gas. Uh, not the best situation, but we worked it out. I, um, I was thinking about that car, though, as I thought about coming to be with you guys here today, because a lot of the people that I'm running into, a lot of the people in our church, a lot of people in the community where I pastor and, and live, and, and I'm guessing a few folks even here in this community are sort of running on empty we're running on fumes, and I know that's sort of a perpetual condition for college students anyway, but, but it seems like in these days, it's even, it's even more so. And maybe that's because of some of the things, the losses that we've faced over the last couple of years, or maybe that's because of just sort of a general weariness from the pandemic. Maybe it's because of the fact that just all the things that were already sort of hard for people have just kind of had, you know, lighter fluid poured on them in these last couple of years, and because of our depleted resources, maybe everything else just seems kind of, kind of difficult. But if you're anything like me, and you probably are, our tanks are just kind of dry, and maybe like the 510, the red hot chili pepper, uh, we're starting to sputter a little bit. And the problem for a lot of us that's sort of unique to this situation or this time is that our gauges, like the red hot chili pepper, are not working real well. We're, we're just not able, because of the different circumstances that we're facing, we're not able to tell, perhaps, just how empty we are. And I think that's kind of the challenge that I've been facing in my own life. Uh, our gauges are just kind of out of whack. And we, we just maybe haven't realized how empty we are. Um, we all have stories from the last couple of years. They're all unique. They're all important and valid. And, and it's important to sort of recognize them. And, and my... My story or my situation is not necessarily dramatic. It's just sort of illustrative or it's just an example of some of the things that we've been through. But for me, the losses of 2020 kind of began back in 2019 when my associate pastor, a really good friend of mine, Aaron uh, Kaluza, I think you'll see a picture of me and Aaron up there, but he was a pastor in our congregation for a number of years. And he, um, he just left. He went to be a senior pastor down the road from us in Ventura. And I encouraged him. I recommended him. I pushed him into that role. But it was still hard for me to see him go. Uh, just a real great partner in ministry and, and friend. That was in May of 2019. Then in August of 2019, uh, I, my, my firstborn child, my daughter, who just introduced me, left me. She left our house and came to college here. And I was doing really good. I was excited about the whole process until like the night before she left. And I could hear her in her room packing up her last things. And it just hit me like, you know, a ton of bricks. And I sort of rallied for the picture. This is at New Student Orientation. But that drive home was quiet, I'll tell you that. 
Um, a little more seriously, though, that, that November of 2019, here's a picture of my wife um, on the left and a dear friend of ours, Trish, who was just a, one of our best friends in our congregation, one of our worship leaders, just an amazing lady. And in November of 2019, she had, she had got ALS and she passed away that November. Really, really hard time for our lives. We had literally made plans with Trish and her husband to just grow old together. And so it was a, it was a really tough loss. I was in November. Uh, I began 2020, I don't have any pictures of this, but I began 2020 on January 3rd by blowing out my ACL, playing basketball with the team that I coach. That wasn't good. So in March, I had surgery on my knee, and I turned 50 in the first week of March. I lost my health and my youth in one week, and uh, there it went. Um, and then you know what happened a couple weeks later uh, in March of 2020, and we entered into one of the strangest and hardest seasons that any of us have ever known. And I won't really get into just sort of some of the difficulties that our local church, as many of you are aware of, in your own local churches have faced. But, but we, were running on, we were running on a quarter tank to begin with, and now our tanks were sort of on empty. As I thought about my story and, and your story, it just made me think again just how appropriate and how beautiful the theme of this year's uh, chapel for this year has been. I've watched online a few times in the fall. It's been very meaningful for me, actually, for this campus community and for those that you invite in to, to dwell. If you weren't aware, that's the campus or the chapel theme for this year, to dwell. And, uh, but just to dwell in the presence and in the peace of Christ, in his grace, in the grace and love of God, to refill or to use the, the metaphor that I'm using today, to, to refuel. And, and you can take this from me, because I know that when you run out of gas, you can't just sort of sit in your car and just will your car to start again. You can't just sort of think, this time, when I turn that ignition over, it's going to start. It, it, it won't. You can't sort of just get out of your car and pop the hood and act like you know what you're doing and tinker around under the hood a little bit and then just, uh, you know, hope for the best. The only way forward is to get some gas. The only way forward is to refuel your tanks, and it's the same with our souls, you guys. I do believe that sometimes our spiritual dryness and our complacency can be because of some things that we've left undone or some things that we've done. But sometimes it's just because we haven't kept a good eye on our gauges. Or our gauges just aren't working like they have in the past. And we've run out of fuel, sometimes maybe without even knowing it. So if any of this matches up with your life today, I'd love for you just to dwell with me for a few moments more in that passage from Ephesians that Thomas read for us earlier. It's been a very meaningful passage of scripture that I've leaned into a lot in the last couple of years. Paul's prayer there for the Ephesian church. And we're meant to hear here not more instruction or uh, exhortation, but we're meant to hear the passionate prayer of one who is deeply concerned for God's people. One who is deeply concerned for you. And we can envision the Apostle Paul who's writing here to the Ephesians, writing this letter so far about God's plans for this church 
and all the things that God wants to accomplish through these people. And I think about God's plans and his purposes for this people gathered here in front of me today. But he seems to realize suddenly as he's saying all these great things that if any of this is actually going to happen, then God is going to have to help these people in a big way. And so he stops his instruction and his exhortation and he goes straight to prayer. It's like, oh God, you gotta help these people. And so he says, when I think of all this, I fall to my knees, and I hope that you can just even envision Paul praying for you, falling to his knees, and, and, and me and so many others who love and care for you and for this campus praying for you as they think, as we think about all that you face, the unique challenges, as well as all the opportunities that are before you. And as we listen to these words, I hope not only that you can hear them being prayed for you, but they can help to shape your prayers for other people as well. Paul's prayer for, for God to give his readers strength might sound simple enough. How many times have you started a prayer just by saying, God, give me strength? When was the last test you took? You probably started it that way. And prayers for strength, they admit our weakness. They do. They admit our uncertainty. They admit our discouragement. But they also admit or they acknowledge that God is able. And we're believing that God is able and Paul isn't praying for just more grit or more power or more determination, though there will be a place for that within us. He's praying for a releasing of the unlimited resources of God. I love that phrase. That we would realize that we are the recipients of the unlimited resources of God. Paul goes on to say that this strength will come as Jesus makes his home in our hearts love that picture as well, just the interior presence of the living Lord Jesus, and that our spiritual roots will, will grow down deep into God's love. And it's here that Paul knows the character and the confidence of Christ will, will increasingly give shape to our values and to our ways of seeing and being in the world, that Jesus making his home in our hearts, our roots growing down deep into God's love. I don't know about you, but one of the important spiritual practices that I began during the pandemic was just hanging out outside more often. I try to get outside as much as I can, but now we were sort of forced outside, and it was good. And as my life was getting a little bit heavier, and my resources seemed to be getting a little bit shakier, I spent more time on this particular place within walking distance of my house in Santa Barbara known as the Moore Mesa Bluffs. And if anybody's from Santa Barbara, you've probably been there. And there's a picture, I think, here of my view. Maybe it's not quite as dramatic as this, you know, sunset cliffs, but it's pretty awesome as well. And I would go here, and this would be my way of just kind of getting to this space and just saying, the God who is big enough to make all of this and to sustain all this, to hold this in his hands, is the same God who is able to, to hold me and to care for the concerns and the needs that I have and that the people in my church have and that our community has. The same God who's big enough is able to hold us as well. And then as I walked on those bluffs, I discovered that there's this little stone sign up on those bluffs. It's a popular launching spot for hand gliders and paragliders. And this little stone sign right up there that uh, looks like this. And it just says, more Mesa, free flight rules, no flying left, 
over in front of or near any residential properties, airspace clearance, da-da-da-da-da. But the last phrase is the one that stood out to me and still stands out. It just says, hook in. And this is wonderful advice if you are paragliding or hang gliding, right? All these other rules don't mean anything if you didn't hook in. And it's really good guidance for our lives as well. And I just began to take it to heart. Every time I would see that sign, I'd just be like, yes, God, you can hold it all. And yes, God, you're inviting me just to latch myself to your love, to hook into who you are and all that you are able to do. So I'm imagining this for our own lives, that we would be firmly latched. And this is Paul's prayer, that we'd be latched to the love of God, that we'd be made complete, he concludes that, with the fullness of life and power that comes from God. The fullness of life and power. Well, it brings me some pain to say that my senior year of college, the Red Hot Chili Pepper was stolen. Can you put that picture back up there? Let's look at it in memoriam. <laughs> I lived in an apartment over on Curtis Street, uh, not far from the Colony Apartments, actually. And, uh, oh, I miss it. And um, I, w- I went away. It was, it was like m- April or May of my senior year. And we had a senior retreat. And we went away for the weekend, and I came back, and my roommates had given us a ride here to campus. They took us home, took us back to our apartment. I went out to look for my car. I could not find it anywhere. And I, I you know, walked around knowing my friends, they had picked it up and moved it somewhere, but I couldn't find it anywhere. I filed a police report that night, never saw it again. I actually found a picture, though, of our senior trip. This was deep in the recesses of my computer, and uh, I'm sitting back there with my sweet gap denim dad hat on, but I saw this picture and I thought it could have been right at that moment (laughs) when somebody was stealing the red hot chili pepper. Not cool. If you ever see it, it's probably run out of gas somewhere on the side of the street, let's be honest. Paul's prayer for you, my prayer for you, friends, today. I trust our prayer for one another is that though you may run low on fuel, and some of you are there today, just be honest, that though you may even run out at times, and some of you would just say, yeah, as a matter of fact, my prayer is that that none of us would be a spiritual casualty of this season. That it's one thing to run low on fuel, it's one thing even to run out, but I pray that the fullness of life and power that comes from God would never be stolen from you. Let's be people who are living in the power of God, a power that is with us, that is in us, and that is through us. People rooted in the love of Christ, love that is filling and flowing. Verses 20 and 21 of this great passage from Ephesians close with this wonderful, amazing prayer of blessing. It's a prayer that's meant to fill us with great possibilities, and it's a prayer that's meant to remind us of the great power of God to accomplish them. And I would love to just have you read it with me and internalize it, pray it for yourself and for others as we today. Can we read this all together? Let me hear you. Now, all glory to God, who is able 
through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. God bless you, friends. Thank you so much. Go in the peace of Christ.